Welcome back to another commodity update brought to you by the team from Mikado.com.au. These are short, sharp summaries of what is happening in the agricultural markets in Australia or even just musings that we've had over the week or summaries of what we've been talking about on our website. This week will be myself, Andrew Whitelaw, covering off on some interesting news articles that have hit in the last week and also looking at some fertiliser. And then it'll be Matt Delgleish talking about livestock. First and foremost, when it comes to grains, uh, the big news item that came out overnight was the least surprising news article and something that everybody in their auntie knew, and that was that China was going to extend their anti-dumping probe into Australia. I'm not going to talk massively about it. I think the markets largely priced in an extension. The, mar- the barley markets uh, basically collapsed since this time last year. Uh, we are, however, competitive now on export markets. Uh, we've also still got plenty of demand locally uh, for, for what we're producing. So I think we've probably largely found a floor in barley pricing. We may see another $5 here or there, but I think largely we are where we are. I think it does leave some uncertainty for the next six months as China continues to investigate, which, to be honest, I think is probably an unfounded investigation. Largely the reason why we had cheap prices in 2016 was due to supply and demand factors. We had a lot of supply and we had to get rid of it. So not really much more to say on that rather than uh, wait and see. Uh, We've got another six months really and uh, see what happens then. Uh, The second news article that came out actually yesterday as well uh, it was about uh, Ukraine. In Ukraine, uh, they are looking to reform their land ownership rules. At present in Ukraine, foreigners are not allowed to buy land. There has been a lot of uh, corporate investment in Ukraine, but uh, they haven't been actually able to take title of the land. So even though they have been able to turn Ukraine from you know, a sub-7 million ton export uh, of wheat country 10 years ago to a 20 million ton uh, wheat export nation, uh, they haven't actually been able to own the land. So they've been basically having large-scale farms that are, you know, in time, at times, you know, they're they having leases with, you know, potentially dozens, dozens and dozens, in fact, of uh, individual landholders. So this, this change in rules, you know, it's not going to be something that affects Australia in the short term. But in the long term, you know, there are corporate investors who wouldn't invest in Ukraine because they couldn't have title to the land. But now we may see a lot more investment in Ukraine, and that will be at the farm level, and, but it will also be in the logistics networks and the export networks. So we could see you know, big improvements in the next uh, 10 years, and we could see that 20 million tonne export program blow out to a 25 or 30 million tonne program in the next 10 years. So a slow burner, but potentially a big impact upon uh, export markets. Last but not least from myself is fertilizer. We should actually now be starting to plan for seeding, and so we are going to have to buy some fertilizer. So I thought it was a good opportunity to look at what has happened with the fertilizer market. There is an issue of transparency within the fertilizer market, and it's very hard to actually get a handle on fertilizer prices in Australia because they're not openly transparent and uh, published. So we've had to look at international markets, but... And I did an article during this week, and when we actually look at things like urea, urea has been absolutely smashed globally over the past sort of six weeks. And we've actually seen urea fall in Aussie dollar terms by $64 a tonne since the start of September. And DAP has been falling right throughout the year, and they've actually, DAP prices since the start of the year have fallen $196 a tonne. 
which is pretty pretty dramatic. So these are international values, but a bit like wheat futures, you know, we've got to add those international values, then add the basis to get it to Australia. But it's pretty hard to do that because we don't have a pretty good handle on um, what the domestic price is locally. Uh, but what I would say, and I've been asked a few times by, by producers over the last couple of days since that article went out, is what can you do about it? Well, I would say that you want to talk to your fertilizer supplier and you say, look, my price is, if my, I had one grower say he's, he's having to pay the same for DAP as he did last year. Well, I'd be saying, well, you know, here's this chart from Mercado.com.au saying that that price is globally fallen close to $200 a ton since the start of the year. Yeah, I'm still having to pay X amount. You know, surely you've got some risk management structures in place that I shouldn't have to be paying, you know, last year's prices. It's a global market, you know. Surely we should, uh, it should reflect what the market is globally pricing. You know, and these fertilizer companies should have risk management policy in place that, you know, stops them being completely exposed to uh, to last year's prices. They should have hedged their uh, hedged their futures risk on fertilizer. So it's worthwhile having that conversation because it can make a a big difference to your to your your margins uh, if you can get a, a fairly substantial uh, drop in your on in your fertilizer price. So it's never harmful to ask the question of your suppliers to say, look, you know, here's where the global market is. You know, obviously you've got to pay to get it into the country, but it should be reflective of some of that fall. And anyway, uh, happy to chat to anyone about that. Uh, you can contact us at any time on the, the website or you can contact us on Twitter or wherever else and we can have a discussion about Fertilizer. Uh, I would like to start in the next couple of mo- weeks uh, potentially a program to actually start to collect data from farmers on Fertilizer prices so we can actually add a bit of transparency to the marketplace. So without further ado, I'll put you on to Matt Dalglish who's going to cover off on Livestock. Thanks for that, Andrew. I'll cover off on sheep markets first, and uh, we had a look at uh, the sheep offtake uh, levels. Um, Andrew Woods very kindly um, looked at that this week on Mercado, which is one of the regular things we do uh, every quarter or so, just to see the state of the sheep flock. Um, for those that aren't aware, the sheep offtake ratio is a rolling 12-month average of sheep turnoff, uh, so it's live export um, numbers going out of the country and sheep being turned off into meatworks, and it's expressed as a percentage of the the overall flock, so it gives us an indication um, as to whether the flock's in liquidation or in rebuild phase. Um, 12% is the threshold between the rebuild or liquidation, so above 12% we're in liquidation, below 12% we're in um, a rebuild of the sheep flock. The numbers for uh, up until June of this year, uh, they were sitting nearly at 14%, so significantly in uh, contractionary phase. Uh, recently it's eased a little bit, so October numbers down to around 13.3%, but still well above the 12% threshold. Uh, one of the good things with this um, sheep offtake ratio is it doesn't only tell us where we are in terms of um, the sheep flock uh, with regards to liquidation or um, rebuild, it also can be used to help predict what's likely to happen uh, with regards to proportional changes in the flock. Uh, it acts as a bit of a predictor. So um, if we look back at the last um, few significant drought periods and those years of 1995, 2003, 2007 and the current year now in 2019 when we've had significant drought impacting um, sheep numbers. We can have a look and see what the offtake ratio had been doing through that time and what happened to um, the changes to the flock on an annual basis and we can see that um, through those years 
the uh, the offtake was between 14 to 17 percent, and we saw um, a range of six to nine percent decrease in the uh, flock size. So. Uh, just projecting that forward, if we continue to see dry season into next year, it's looking like um, we are, well, at a minimum, we're going to get about a 6% decrease in the flock over the year. Um, however, if it continues to stay dry, we could see that offtake ratio continue to head higher and potentially um, see a, a, a change in the flock uh, to the negative of around 9% by next year. Um, so it just goes to highlight um, how difficult it is going to be with such a We've got to remember too that the the flock size is incredibly small at the moment. Um, so when it comes time, if we do get a, a decent enough break for long enough to get people back, uh, ship ship producers back in and trying to rebuild the flock, it's um it's going to be tough going and it's going to get quite expensive for uh, for breeding ewes because um you know just the numbers aren't really there and and we're going through this significant turnoff. So a really interesting article to have a look at. By all means, jump on Macado and have a proper read of that. Uh, turning to cattle markets now, I did an update to our processor margin modelling, which we do. We try to do that every month, uh, just looking to see how our margins are tracking. Uh, we did see uh, September the figure was revised up slightly from $186 a head profit to $199. Uh, we do sometimes revise the um, some of the data that comes through for the processor margin model is a bit delayed, so occasionally we will revise figures. Um, so yeah, from September. The number was $199 a head profit um, being earned per animal going through the meatworks. Uh, it's, it's drifted off a little bit uh, for October, so the October figure was $171 uh, a head profit. Um, when you look at the seasonal trend, um, since about February we've been you know, well above the averages and also outside what you could be considered normal. Um, so really good um, money still being made by processors. Uh, one of the interesting factors is uh, we saw just in the last week or so the 90CL indicator, which one of our key beef export price indicators, um, took off again to the top side and, and is touching up around the 840 cent uh, a kilo mark. Um, this big rise in beef export prices over there in the US hasn't quite been reflected in the processor margin model for October. So we're expecting for potentially November to see a, a kick up again in, in processor margin given what's happened with beef export prices there. Um, for the October period, um, like I said, the export prices weren't really truly reflected in the margin because they'd come a bit later. Um, but we did see a reduction of about 4% in offal prices across, you know, generally across the offal uh, types that we look at. Um, and also there was a noted um, decline in hide prices continuing to soften. In fact, some types of hide were declared um, no commercial value. So the reduction in offal and the, and the reduction in hide prices just took a little bit away from the margin there for processes in October. Uh, an interesting thing we looked at uh, just finally with regards to that processor margin was um, we analysed the relationship between the processor margin on an annual average basis and uh, the uh, female slaughter uh, levels on an annual basis. Uh, with the MLA forecasts in October for their um, cattle industry projections, they've pegged the 2020 uh, annual slaughter at around 6.9 million head. And what we can do is uh, do a bit of a scenario test to see if we get a, a dry a continuation to the dry season and the female slaughter ratio, um, which you know, shows how much percentage-wise um, females are slaughtered as a proportion of total slaughter. If that stays at 56%, which is about where it is this year, so we, if we continue to have this dry spell and continue to um, slaughter females at a high rate, um, it's likely that we're going to see the processor margin um, ease because of the tight supply and the forecast for next year for an annual average processor margin is getting back down to more normal levels of around $55 profit ahead on average per year. 
However, if we um, turn to a much wetter season in 2020 uh, and, and you know, we turn back into a, uh, the potential for a rebuild phase in the cattle herd and that female slaughter ratio goes down to 47% or 46%, I should say, so below, below the threshold that indicates we're back in rebuild for the herd, um, that would mean we're going to be slaughtering a less number of, of females uh, as the total slaughter and um, that'll put some pressure historically when we're not slaughtering many female cattle that means that processors generally have much more pressure on their margin and that could push the uh, processor margin for 2020 uh, back to negatives and it could get as low as negative $60 as an annual average for the 2020 season. Uh, again, a um, bit of data I've given you in there, so it probably helps to jump on Mercado and have a good read of the article if you're interested in, in what I've been saying here. Um, that's pretty much it for me this week. hope you'll um, have a, a good weekend. And for those people out in New South Wales and Queensland that are impacted by the fires, uh, stay safe. And um, you know, we're thinking of you down here in the south. And uh, you know, just keep, um, keep safe. And hopefully um, the, the situation will ch- change for you very shortly um, t- for the positive. Um, have a good weekend. Take care. Bye. Thanks for the update, Matt. If you enjoyed this podcast, you find it useful, please do us a massive favour. Send it out to your friends, your family, any of your colleagues that you think might be interested in listening to it. The more subscribers we get, the better. Uh, if you can take the time out, leave a review on wherever you listen to this or leave a, a rating, uh, that would be fantastic. It helps us uh, continue to be able to offer this service free of charge. So thanks very much. Uh, have a safe weekend. Uh, Hope all goes well. Bye-bye.